on this episode, we talk about Build, my trip to Redmond, a TechNet virtual conference, and a couple rumors. This is the Sam's Report. All right, everybody. Today is February 4th, and this is the Sam's Report. Back from Seattle, back from Redmond, back from Bellevue. And hopefully you caught Paul and I doing our debauchery on, what did we call it? We called it the last ring um, of the TechNet virtual conference. So if you weren't aware, and hopefully you were, um, if you had visited Petri or Therat over the past uh, couple days or so, we had these huge banners. We put together this nice little hub, and Microsoft was streaming a virtual conference. They called it the TechNet virtual conference, and they did a whole bunch of sessions. Mary Jo Foley uh, co-hosted day one. And did I say February? Holy cow. That would be March. March. February. February didn't happen, uh, as you can tell. So March 4th it is, as everybody's calling it out. So here in March, uh, anyways, Mary Jo Foley was up in there, uh, up in Redmond as well. She did day one. Paul and I did a closing remarks keynote on day two, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, the feedback was pretty good, at least it seems like. Paul shot me with a Nerf gun um, twice, maybe three times, and I know there was at least a fourth once the camera was turned off, and I shot him a few times once I finally got my hands on it. But you can check that out. It's on Channel 9. It is also on Petri as well, and I might do a post over uh, on Therat to just to kind of say, hey, you know, we did it. But anyways, so a lot of good stuff happened while we were up in Redmond. Got to talk with quite a few people. If you were around on Monday, hopefully you made it to the Bellevue uh, meetup. Um, I might actually might have been in Redmond, but it was at Postdoc Brewery. And a lot of good people showed up, including Mr. Terry Meyerson, uh, head of Windows Device Group and a whole bunch of other stuff at Microsoft. Gabe showed up and a few others. So got to chat with all of them. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun when you can get Terry and Gabe out of their natural environment and just kind of let, laid back a little bit, if you know what I mean. So... I actually got some one-on-one time with both Terry and Gabe. It was uh, it was nice. And while those records or those conversations, you know, were kind of off the record a little bit, it's good to see that they still enjoy getting out and they're not, you know, hiding behind um, the wall of Microsoft. And Terry and Gabe are both in good health. And um, I did ask Gabe about his shoulder. Um, he said he tore his rotator cuff on Twitter a little bit ago and does seem to be doing a bit better, although he can't get his arm up too high, which is convenient because my head is up here, so he can't punch me in the face. Actually, that's um, Gabe is actually a little bit taller than I am. But anyways, <laughs> um, Gabe was there, did not bring the red button, but everybody seems to be doing well. It seems like they've got a lot of things coming for uh, build, which should be fun. And when I mentioned that to Terry, he actually looked at his watch and said, oh crap, I should probably get back to working on that. And yeah, so who else was there? Greg Sullivan was there. A bunch of me, bunch of uh, listeners also showed up. Really appreciate that, you guys. That made me feel awesome and important. Next to you know, anytime I can put Throt in his place that somebody recognizes me and not him, that that's fantastic. So ignore Paul as much as you can. Put this ego into into check. Mine too, for that matter. But what else did we do up there? Not a whole lot. I mean, I had a couple off the off the cuff meetings but microsoft's not really talking too much right they this was a, a technet virtual event which by all accounts i believe went exceptionally well for them i also got to meet simon may uh he joined paul and i at the end to do um, a little q a somebody asked paul to marry him i took a bunch of these things so there's a couple more up out of view but you know your little channel nine 
um, stuff or whatever that you're not supposed to steal. Actually, no, just kidding. They had a huge, huge box of this stuff. And I was like, hey, can I take a couple of these? And I took five and I threw two at Paul. So there you go. That's why there's one here and there's two up on the window that you see. Well, you can't really see it if I angle the camera up there, then it gets washed out and it's, it's just not a good experience. But anyways, so back from Redmond, um, that was a long trip. And people are asking about, will I give any away these away? Well, I do not have any of those to give away, at least not yet, because mailing things can be a serious pain in the butt. I do have a bunch of new Ninja Cat codes. So if you have not gotten a Ninja Cat for your avatar on Xbox Live, uh, I think I got about another 15 or 20 codes while I was up in Redmond. So that'll be cool. So just be watching the Twitters. Uh, might do some fun things to give those away, but realistically, they're just going to get popped up. Um, maybe we'll do a couple retweet ones for people who aren't always staring at uh, Twitter. But I did get a bunch more of those, so that should make a few people happy. So what happened this week during Microsoft's, I don't know, TechNet virtual conference while I was on a plane and all the other good stuff? So a couple good things did come out this week, a little bit slower than last week, but still a lot of good stuff. So in 26 new markets, there is a type cover with a fingerprint reader. So Microsoft had announced this originally back in uh, October. Yeah, October. And so if you have a Surface Pro 3, or, I mean, it does work with the Pro 4, it's the type cover that you see back here. Well, it's not exactly this one, but it comes with a fingerprint reader on this right side. And so what it does is it gives you Windows Hello on your Surface Pro 3. And I've been a long supporter of, if you have a high-end Surface Pro 3, there's no need to upgrade to the Pro 4. Get this cover and you're good, because then you get Windows Hello biometric support, you get better login, and this type cover is exceptional. If you watched the last ring, I actually said this is one of my favorite pieces of hardware that Microsoft has put out. Now, obviously, I like the Surface Book and I like the Pro 4, but not many people think about that, and it's really, really good. I really like this keyboard cover. So, I don't know why it was uh, delayed, as Mark asks, why this cover was delayed. It's... I don't know. This is Microsoft for you, right? They launch everything in the U.S. first and then eventually make their way out. It's just the way that they have done things. So, don't really know why they would delay that sort of stuff. But it is out now around 160-ish U.S. dollars. Since it's in you know local markets, you'll have to check local currency to see how much Microsoft is going to charge you there, especially if you are in the U.K. and where you have to pay VAT. Um, which is included, and reminder that the 160 USD does not include tax in the US. But it's out. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it gives some new life to your existing Pro 3. So pair that with Windows 10. It's good stuff. What else is going on this week? So Microsoft announced, this is, this is an interesting one to me. So when you think of the education sector, it's, uh, we've been hearing a lot of things about Chromebooks doing well, and um, obviously Apple has always kind of done well in the education sector. So Microsoft put out a report that uh, says Windows-based PCs and devices outsold the nearest competitor by two to one in the global, keyword global, K-12 education sales markets for 2015. So that's great, right? I mean, if you're a Windows fan or if you want your children learning about uh, you know, growing up with Windows as many of us did, that's a good sign, right? So there's a couple things to keep in mind because you have to understand that this is a report by Microsoft and they're, they're touting this. So it's two to one now. What was it five years ago? Was it three to one back then or was it one to one? We don't really know. We don't have good historical context on this. But for the last year, we know that about twice the rate of any other device selling, Microsoft was putting products into that market. 
So it's still good news. I don't want to be saying, you know, trying to be too pessimistic about this. But at the end of the day, you have to keep it in. You have to be real about what is actually they're announcing because two to one obviously is great. But if it was three to one, then two to one is not so great. Uh, and obviously, Chromebooks have done they've done decently well, and for obvious reasons, they're cheap, uh, limited capabilities, really just a web browser, which is what most people just need anymore. Um, and you know, they're they're just cheap at the end of the day. And we'll see what happens. We will see what happens there. But Microsoft is really proud of that, and so good for them. And gosh. What else has gone on this week, you guys? It's been it's been kind of a like really big news and like nothing. So at the beginning of the week, we got some Hololens news. Talking about that here coming up, but Microsoft also announced this week that Windows 10 Photos app. If you use this app, uh, it is now has Sway integration. So Sway is this really interesting, odd piece of technology that is currently living inside the Office brand, and it's a modern storytelling application, uh, but it doesn't really seem to have picked up much steam, and I don't I don't know if that's because I'm pretty far removed from, I, I don't personally use Sway, so if you use it and you see a lot of other people using it, please let me know. I would, I'd love to learn more or actually see, more specifically see like real world use cases that aren't Microsoft PR material of people using Sway, but so far Sway has just been kind of like this ambitious um, storytelling platform for the web that's real easy, works on any screen. I don't think it's a bad product, but anyways, they integrated it, which makes sense, into the Windows 10 Photo app so that it's easier to bring your content into a Sway from that application. So we will be curious to see if we see Sway moving into anything else. I can't really think of anywhere else it would work too well because it is more like a, a graphically intensive uh, application. But there you go. If you're a Windows 10 Photo app user, which I could rant about that. I wish Microsoft would make their Photos app much, much better. It needs some very simple and quick-to-use functionality. But anyways, I need the Photo app. Uh, if you use the Photo app, sorry, Sway integration now exists. So the real big news this week, guys, and I think I think everyone kind of picked up on this, that this is the big news of the week, is HoloLens. Microsoft has gone crazy with HoloLens news. And yes, finally, that's where I'm wearing my, my whoops, there we go, HoloLens jacket here. Microsoft went all in on HoloLens. They dropped all the specs. They dropped everything. They pushed all the content out. They said, you know what? We're done. We're going to start pushing out development kits here to people who have been accepted into the process. And so we got to get all of it out. They put out documentation. They put out specifications. They put out pricing. for. Well, we already knew the pricing, but some people didn't. And they wrote these bombastic headlines of $3,000. But we've known that since, what, I think October, November or something crazy like that. We've known that for a while. That's nothing new. But there's a couple things we need to take away from this. One, HoloLens is still not a consumer-driven product. Microsoft is not positioning it this way right now. They want it to get it in the hands of developers. They want to get it in the hands of corporate and enterprise users. Keep that in mind. This is not a consumer product yet. And so people are freaking out about this $3,000 price tag. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Now let's let's put that in context, shall we? So it's 3000 bucks. But it's completely self-contained. The only thing you need is to be able to charge it. You don't need a PC. You don't need anything else. And people are saying, oh, but the uh, Oculus Rift is only, what, $599? No, the Oculus Rift is not $599. You need a $1,500-ish computer to run the Oculus Rift. So you're looking at, well, you might be able to get away with about a $1,000 machine if you get lucky. 
but you're looking at between 1500 and two grand for the Oculus Rift if you don't hone a high piece of end hardware. And this is where the funny part comes in. High-end hardware does not include any Mac. If you own a Mac, you can't run Oculus Rift. It doesn't work. The Oculus came out and said, hey, they're high-end thing. Even the Mac Pro, that's like 3,000 bucks, will not run an Oculus Rift. Oops. Uh, yeah, so that's actually pretty embarrassing for Apple on that front. And I, I do get kind of... You have to laugh about that because Apple's like, our higher end, our hardware is high end. And then this third party virtual reality thing that everybody's getting amped about. If you own a Mac, it doesn't matter what Mac you own, it will not run it. Doo -doo -doo. Um, so, all those people who want a Rift who are Mac owners, you are looking at at least 1500 bucks. Anyways, I, I could rip on Apple all day about some of the stuff they do. I do like some of Apple things, I like their phones, but. Um, they're, you don't buy their PCs for high-end hardware. Even I can't get over the fact that, that the Mac Pro doesn't run the Oculus Rift. I find that freaking hilarious. <laughs> oh, their little trash can computer doesn't work. Uh, anyways, back to the Oculus or the Oculus, the Hololens. It's three thousand bucks. You are the earliest of earliest of earliest of adopters, and you should be a developer. I'm not buying one. I don't have three grand to just splash around. I don't have the chops to make an app that's worth a damn. There's no reason for me to own one. I fully expect that the price will come down significantly as we approach the consumer version, which may be a couple years away. We are on the very edge of what the HoloLens is. So if you want one, if you're a developer or you work in the enterprise and say, you know what, I think we could develop something like this, or you work in the education, um, like a university setting or something, and you want to experiment or have it available for your coders, uh, you can apply. You have to apply to Microsoft and then they will accept you into the program. So here's the good news. Here's the really good news. I know somebody who's got it accepted into the program. And I think we're gonna get some good, as long as Microsoft doesn't make them sign an NDA. That's my only kind of concern, but I don't think they will. As long as Microsoft isn't gonna make them sign an NDA, I think we'll have some on Petri and throughout some really good HoloLens content in the not so distant future. Because they're not just giving these things out to anybody. You have to actually buy them. And I begged and they won't, and they looked at me and said, Brad, you're an idiot, which I agreed. And they said, no, we still can't give you one. So, but fortunately, I think we've got somebody who is going to have a HoloLens and we will be able to get some good content. So looking at the specs, you can go to Petri or Throt and read them all you want. Um, there's a couple things I really want to highlight here. So two to three hours of battery life, two to three hours of battery life. This is interesting. And I still haven't got Microsoft to answer the one question that I'm, I'm dying to know, but two to three hours, isn't all that long. I, I mean, it's long enough if you're wearing this, you know, contraption on your head. Um, it's long enough where it really would start to show its weakness is not necessarily on the single user. Like me wearing a HoloLens for three hours straight, that's a long time. That, that really is a long time. I, and I'm not so worried about that. Where it becomes an issue is let's say you're working in a manufacturing sector and you're, you know, working with a prototype of one of these things and you wear it for an hour and then your coworker comes in to take over coding or doing whatever. So you give it to them for an hour or two hours. And then another one comes in and you give it to him for an hour. That's when it really starts to break down that the two to three hours is an actual limitation. Now, what Microsoft hasn't told me, and I don't know why yet, is, is why... Or, Sorry, I was reading the comments, which I shouldn't do. It's hard to do and talk. But does this device support quick charging? We all know about USB um, quick charging your phones and whatnot. So if you could plug this thing in and get back up to 80% uh, within you know, 20, 30 minutes, I think that completely 
wipes out the two to three hour battery life. And so the, that's that's kind of what I'm asking. And I'm, Microsoft still hasn't responded yet. I don't know why, but I'm guessing it doesn't because usually if it did support quick charging, they would have put it in the specs. Um, but maybe when they get to a later version, that will be a feature that's coming. But again, these are developers, so... It also comes with that Bluetooth clicker that I was, I think it was the first to post about, whatever. Another thing that we've learned about that Bluetooth clicker, it actually has um, rotational support. So there should be accelerometers in there. So you can actually scroll around um, with the little clicker. Other thing too is Microsoft very bluntly came out and said that HoloLens does not do black. Which makes sense, right? So the way the HoloLens works is there's these screens and they're shooting light into your eyes. It's very futuristic. And obviously black is the void of light. So there's no there's no light. Somebody says they're hearing RF hum. Hmm. I don't know. I move my machine around and hopefully that's not that's not causing it. But we'll see on the on the after show. But anyway, so the void or the black light into your eyes doesn't work. Black is a void of light. And there we go. So, no black. Now, what's interesting is they say that if there is black, it just shows it being transparent. I'm trying to remember. I've used the HoloLens twice now. And I'm trying to remember black. And they may not... They may not have had... I'm trying to remember if they had any demos of anything that was that dark. And they may not have intentionally. Now, what we don't know is how it works when you start getting like towards the edge of the spectrum of a dark color. Like, what about navy blue? What happens there? And all the, all the demos that I remember were very vivid colors. Like, they're origami shapes. We were on Mars. Uh, we did Skype. But Skype was with neon colors and overlays and all that good stuff. So, yeah. That's really interesting. We'll see what happened actually when this device gets into the real world, and which we shall know very soon. Actually, right around the time of build is when Microsoft will start shipping these bad boys out. So if you did get into the program, you know, shoot me an email too. I'd really love to know your experience as well. Uh, we're going to get some firsthand experience and whatnot um, through other channels, but the more the merrier, right? And I'd really love to know what you're building with this thing. I think there's a lot of cool opportunities, and which leads me to the next thing. So Microsoft put out some apps. And they put out some games, too. And everyone's like, oh my god, there's games. We're on the edge of consumer launching. Um, no, these games are, are intended to be a showcase of what the device can do. They each take a scenario and show how um, HoloLens can use spatial recognition. How HoloLens can interact with current geometry type things. They're not intended to be blockbuster AAA titles. They're simply... This is what the HoloLens is. These are some of the early capabilities. And what Microsoft, to be honest, is looking for, obviously they like games and media, but they're really looking for those kind of killer apps, whether they be for consumer or more hopefully they hope, hopefully they hope. Good job, Brad. Um, what they really want is to find those killer apps for the enterprise because those are going to be the guys that can buy it in bulk. And those are the people that buy in bulk that are going to drive the price down that make it easier for someone like me instead of having to mortgage my house. It'll be a cheaper price. So let's just keep in mind that this is a enterprise-grade product, and it's still a development. This isn't even version 1, right? This is version alpha that is going to go out to developers. So keep that in mind because I'm really, and I guarantee Microsoft is afraid this is going to happen. Somebody's going to get their hands on these, one of the press, and they're going to do like the full-scale HoloLens review. It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. They're going to do HoloLens review. And it's going to be like a 5,000 word thing on a development kit that is early. And that's total bullshit. 
So, just keep that in mind if you see any of these reviews. I think that's enough about HoloLens. I'm really excited about it. Hopefully you are too. I've used it a few times, like I've said, and I would love to have one. I really would. I would... I, I wouldn't pay $3,000 for one. I guess that's a good question. What is the good price point for a HoloLens? What would you pay? I'd be curious. What, what would you pay for a HoloLens right now? Imagine that it's a final shipping product. It's a final shipping product. What would you pay for the HoloLens? I realistically think a version 1 consumer, if they could get it to about $750, I think that would be a good price point for the first version. I would pay... I would pay 750 bucks for that thing. And granted, that's still high. That's not cheap. I mean, it's twice, it's roughly twice the price of the, the Xbox One when it launched. But 750 seems to me like the first generation one price point for the consumer. Um, just because you're, you're buying a computer, right? It's we're, we're accustomed to the computer where you can kind of see what I have set up here. But this is a computer that you wear. Wasn't the... I'm trying to remember what the price of Google Glass was. I thought it was to be an Explorer. Wasn't it like 1500 bucks or so? Um, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But, yeah. So that kind of puts things into perspective about what something like this should cost. So, there you go. HoloLens. You rock. We're getting closer. We're going to start to see more things come from it. Now let's move on to something that I wrote up and I got lambasted for it. Potentially... Rightfully so. So Windows 10 RT made a cameo in some of the TechNet Virtual Conference stuff. Uh, it was listed as a supported um, platform for DeviceGuard. So let's, I need to put frame this in context about why I wrote this up. Because some people are like, Brad, this could have just been a simple mischaracterization of Windows 8.8 .8 RT. And they just did, you know, Control F, Control V type thing. Um, and you absolutely could be right. I'm not putting that away. The reason why I took some initiative with this. One, um, Walking Cat, previously in the month, back in January, found some documentation that said Windows 10 RT Desktop. So, Windows 10 RT Desktop. That was the first piece of advice. I was like, hmm. Now, I had one source, and only one. I could not get anybody else to verify this. This is pretty, like, deep down in the bunkers of Microsoft. And they told me that every platform inside Microsoft is compiled to run on ARM, including server, which I do believe the server is happening. And they explained that Windows 8 RT never really died. It just stopped being sold. And so that they are still developing it. And I, I can't get any, like, broad-scale people confirming this. But keep that in mind. I, I firmly believe that Microsoft is still building out ARM support on everything. It would be dumb for them to just, you know, shelve that code base because it didn't work out the first time. We all know Microsoft gets it right. Not the first, not the second, but the third time. Third time's the charm, typically, for Microsoft. Although they're trying to avoid that third time's the charm with HoloLens. But third time's the charm. And I, I firmly believe we will see Windows ARM desktop for 10 coming back. So, Windows RT, we'll see if it, it actually has a future. If it is inside the... Well, I'm like, I had my Continuum doc behind me earlier. I reshuffled some things in my office. But, we will see what happens with that. Other rumors that are coming out. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with the Surface 4. 
If you know anything about the Surface 4, let me know. I had heard at one point that they were starting to ship out beta units, um, but I haven't really heard anything else about specs. I mean, you would imagine that Microsoft's not going to reinvent the wheel here, right? It's They've got the form factor done well. They're not going to dramatically change the form factor because we already know about the Surface Book. So, it, you know, faster processor, maybe more RAM, updated type cover. I'm not really expecting too much. Um, really curious to see when they're going to announce it because it was around this time last year that they announced this device. So... What else we got going on? Oh yeah, Brad Smith this week dropped a news blop. A news blop. Um, he said, encryption is key. The path to hell starts at the back door. So this was Brad Smith at the RSA conference, I believe out in San Francisco, around that area somewhere in California, talking about the encryption stuff going on. And yeah, I think we all know how this goes. Microsoft supports encryption, government obviously doesn't, and the path to hell starts with at a backdoor into encryption. Because if there is a backdoor in encryption, it's not encryption at all, right? It's not. Encryption, that's the whole point, is that it's secure, and if you intentionally make it unsecure, that it's not, it's not secure. So, other things that came out this week, uh, we had the Advanced Threat Protection Service for Business is coming to Windows 10. I really like this. So... If you watched The Last Ring, our commentary at the TechNet, you'll know a little bit about this. But this service protection, advanced threat protection, is a kind of more of a back-end support. So typically when we think of virus protection and firewalls and all that stuff, we're, we're looking at proactive. That's being upfront about what's going on. And you're trying to stop everything from getting through. But it was after, as we know, because of all of the data breaches, that doesn't happen. My social security number has been stolen so many times, it's probably not worth anything on the black market at this point. And so what this advanced threat protection does is that it actually says, hey, you've already been penetrated, here's where it happened. So it's a reactive type control. It's obviously not the only piece of software you're going to run on an enterprise network, but this is a product that works well for the for the enterprise grade, and I think it's, I would imagine Microsoft's gonna charge for this. They haven't been too forthcoming about um, like where it's gonna be running and, and we need some more details, but this is on the back side. So you have all these preventative controls. If they fail, for now, it's hard to tell. I think Terry Myerson quoted around 200 days or so from once a penetration occurs to when it's recognized. And so the point of this product is to shorten that gap from when a penetration occurs to when you are alerted. So. This is coming from Microsoft. Should be a good item. Um, you know, should be a good piece of software. Yeah. Anything else go on the world of Microsoft this week? Not too much. I I don't think things are going to like fall off a map. I think we're still going to continue to get built. Um, I do know that Microsoft has uh, about 12-ish days or so. 10 to 12 days. Um, I believe those are business days. Before they need to lock down the build of Windows 10 that will be used at build. So I would imagine it's a very feverish time inside the company. And we will see what happens with that. I think build is going to be a lot of fun. I don't expect tons of news drops to occur because Microsoft has to save something for build, right? Uh, we'll see what leaks out and we'll see what goes on. So today is March 4th. March 4th, not February 4th. And I think that about does it for us, guys. 
I'm going to keep this one nice and short and simple. It's been a crazy week for me, a lot of time on an airplane, and a lot of traveling, and too much Paul in my life. So, thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good weekend.